now we can begin. We are talking the powerful claim of names. This is Reb T here. Hello and welcome back to the bi-weekly lecture series with Reb T. The show where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. The shir is Le'ilei Nishmat Simcha Aaron Ben Shachanun for the Rafua Shalema of Shlomo Ben Sarah Dina as well as for the continued Rafua Shalema of Sarah Adol Bas and for the Rafua Shalema of those sick with Corona or other ailments. All of my shiurim are available at shirenjoyment.com slash shiurim slash shiurim dash reb dash t. Shout out to Jake W. of Sheer Enjoyment for all his help and hard work. Again, to contact me, we now have an email address. Feel free to email rebt at sheerenjoyment.com. Sources are from Safari unless noted otherwise. We want to let you know if you're listening in audio land here on the phone, we put up this sheer and we put up the sources afterwards and you get basically all the sources, how we go through the lecture, the sheer on sheerenjoyment.com. Text points with arrows, underlines, bold, and italics are PTCs, or points to carry over, to hopefully take away from the shear, to carry over from the shear into your life. They will be numbered, emir Tashem, and they will be reviewed at the end. So have you ever stopped to think about what your name is? What is its essence? Have you ever really thought about what your name symbolizes and what it means? Try saying your name out loud, the one people commonly call you. Try saying it a few times, continuously, slowly. Once you verbalize it for many repetitions out loud, it's going to start to sound strange to you. It's going to sound foreign. Trust me, I've tried it a couple of times. Try the exercise then with your real name, with your Hebrew name. Does it sound any different? Why is that? Names are given to us to use for a purpose and a reason. If we just say our name, especially our commonly used one or our nickname repeatedly without thinking about it, it just becomes a word, meaningless. But if we use our essential name, our Hebrew name, we try to think about the roots, the insides, the deepness of our names, it can be very strong and very powerful. I truly believe in the supreme power of names and their verses. Our names were inspired from us, for us divinely, for our parents to choose for us. When we thought of, or when we think of names for our kids, Hashem inspires us and inspired us to choose certain names. We really get a small amount of Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration, to name children. The names that are given to us, that we carry with us, and that our children carry with them can represent concepts, traits, and ideals to utilize and bring with us wherever we go. Additionally, it can be that we are named for people and their personalities and good traits. We also can have influence from the verses for our names with hidden messages of what we should be doing with our lives. There can be numerical value to names also with gematria of the names using Hebrew letters and their letter amounts like Aleph is one and Bet is two, Gimel is three and so on and so forth to indicate deep messages as well. When we think about names, we're looking at and exploring the Hebrew names that we have and are given, which are the fundamental basis of our Judaism. I'm not talking about English names or English nicknames, although if they're a nickname from the Hebrew name, they could also emulate the Hebrew name as well. As we'll see later, one of the three fundamental things that the Jews kept in Egypt were keeping their Jewish names to keep them apart from the Egyptians. A name like Dov, which means bear, the strength of a bear, can have vastly different connotations than Ramesses, which can have a meaning or maybe has no meaning at all. I want to take, for example, to look at my own name, using my Hebrew name to depict it. Let's look for a minute. Natan Mordechai is my name. That's my Hebrew name. Let's see what H.com says about it. Rabbi Shraga Simmons points out about the two names. Natan, Nasan means he gave. Nasan appears in the Bible as a prophet, a contemporary of the great King David, especially prevalent in Samuel 2, especially prevalent in Malachim Aleph. We'll look at it in a minute. And Mordechai means warrior. Mordechai was in the Bible in Tanakh as a prophet, the husband of Queen Esther, the famous, famous story of Purim who saved the Jews in the Purim story, story from Haman's genocidal plot. Natan, Nasan was a prophet in David's time. He spread God's word through the Torah and was most famous explaining the parable in Shmuel Bet, 
Yud bet of the sheep. There's a rich man that has many, many sheep, and there's a poor man that has one sheep. The rich man comes, and he takes away the one sheep from the poor man. The Natsan says the parable to David. He says, what should be the sentence for this rich man? And David says, off with his head! Kill him! Take him out! And then Natsan says, this is you, not David. You have so many wives. Uriah has one wife, Bathsheba. You took Bathsheba away! Hashem is telling me through Nasan was explaining it to David what happened and David took the Musr and said Chatasi and stood up to what he had he's one of the paradigms of Tshuva but Nasan was the one that brought him this message for him to repent and for him to go about his ways interestingly in Malachim Aleph Aleph when David is on his sickbed when David is laying old and weak and cold and he cannot be warm from the garments we've talked about previously because he ripped off the garment from Shoal when they had their whole crazy history, David saw Shaul once, and he had the opportunity to kill Shaul. He had the opportunity to take out Shaul, but he didn't. But he ripped off a piece of his paper, a piece of his clothing, excuse me. And in the end of days, he didn't get any warmth from his clothing. So he was so cold, he's lying on his deathbed, and Adoniah, the crown prince, takes over, tries to usurp the kingdom from David, his own dad. Nasan is knowing that there's trouble. Nasan wants to figure out a way to save the kingdom. And he comes to Bathsheba. Interestingly enough, the same Bathsheba that he admonished David for all those years ago, he comes and he makes this pact with Bathsheba. He says, go to King David. I'm going to corroborate your words. I'm going to tell David what's going on. We'll see what happens. And we're going to make sure that Shlomo takes over as king, not Adoniah. So Nasan was the one that laid down the groundwork to save the kingdom at the end of King David's life. And he stood up. And he came to the task, even though he was so old, and they said, Yechid David, let David live. Obviously, he didn't live much longer, but euphemistically, he lived many, many more years. And that was Nasan, the prophet that was involved there. Mordechai, of course, is from the famous personality of Purim, from the Megillus Esther. He spread God's word through the Torah, a leading figure in the society, in Anshe Knesset Sagadola. He was a great sage, an authority figure. He was also considered a prophet. Esther was too. Influenced those around him with Torah and got people to repent, to rescind the decree. As Maimonides points out, we'll look later, there are many different famous people on Anshe including Mordechai, Daniel, and Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, to name a few. But when I look at these two names for myself, I want to be keyed into the fact that maybe I should be a warrior for Hashem, for myself and others, to battle the Sahara in life as a soldier, fighting for Torah values, spreading Torah ideals in the army of Hashem. By using audio shows and audio lectures, and also to have to work on myself to be a giving person, a generous person, something I have to work on to do. Nasan and Mordechai were involved in spreading Hashem's word, spreading the light of Torah. Maybe that's an aspect that I myself should work on. Think about the meaning of your Hebrew names and what it is Hashem expects you to do. Look at H.com, look at Rabbi Shravaka Simmons' article, look at the detailed list of boy and girl names, even though it's baby boy and girls, it doesn't matter, it's apropos because our names are on that list. There's a link here for girls' names and a link here for boys' names. If you're listening in audio land, I highly recommend you go to the source sheet later and look it up. Look your name up, see what the name means. And then we also have verses. The end of Shemona Esrei, the end of Shemona Esrei at Elokai Nitzor, all the way at the end before Yehiyularatzon, there's an apropos time, a beautiful spot to say the psukim of your name every day. There's a time and a place to say it. You're supposed to say the psukim that start and end with your name. So my name is Natan. So a pasuk that starts with Nun and ends with Nun and Mordechai is a pasuk that starts with Nun and ends in Yud. Mordechai. And my psukim come from Tanakh. We're going to look in a second. But look at these two pictures. This is the end of Elokai Nitzor right over here. Some people say verses regarding their names. And then there's the page at the back of the city. The verses for people's names. So my verses. One comes from Mishlei. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam Chofesh Kochadre Vaten. I like to take out the full name because we like to put it online. Sorry about that. But anyway, Ner Hashem, Nismas Adam, Chavish Kochad Rivatan, the life breath of man is the lamp of Hashem, revealing all his innermost parts. And then from Tehillim, Ma'ahavti Torah Secha, Kol Hayob Hisi Chasi. Oh, how I love your teaching Torah. It is my talk, my study, all day long. These Pesukim of my name thus tell me to do for an aspect of a mission in my own life. To pursue Torah as the essence of the candle of life, as well as to talk about Torah 
every day, which is something I try to do on some small level with audio shows and lectures. Feel free to join us on the PAL, the DT, the DDD, the new BTL summer series, the lecture series, which we do every two weeks, and of course, OT Talk. That's how I'm guided from iPsukin. But when we look at our names, and I highly recommend you look at your names, you look at your essence and your psukim. It could be very guiding for our mission in life, especially if we use our passions, our talents, and our abilities to do so. Look up the verses of your names in the back of the art school center. What do they translate to tell you, to guide you what you're supposed to do? What does it teach you to do with your life? What do the psukim really mean? Think about the meaning, the essence, the translation of your actual name or names. Think about your numerical gematria amount of your names. Think about the definition, the translation of your Hebrew's name with the help of the H.com site. What does it teach you about your essence? What does it teach you about your purpose? What can it clue you into your mission in life? So many of us, especially during Corona times, were lost. We have no idea what we should be doing. Hashem gives us this time where we're introspecting, we're looking into ourselves, we're trying to figure out what to do with ourselves, what to do with our life. This is what we're supposed to do. You look at your name, you look at your psukim, and it'll key you in. Especially when we look at a lot of sources together with characters from Tanakh that lived their name or their names gave them their reflection of what to do with their life. Because the Shem Yishmuel, first of all, points out the name of a person indicates his or her essence. And a person, Medrash Tanchuma, explains you should always check to call your son, to call your daughter a name that befits the righteous. The name causes good or causes bad. Like we find by the Maragam, Shamua did not listen to the words of Hashem. Lo Shama, he did not listen. Shamua should have Shama, should have listened. And Rashi points out on Micha, whoever says, Call me Sha'omer Bachol Yom Mikra Hamaskil, O Messiah, Kamo Shemaskil, O Messiah, Shemo, Hatorah Matsilo Megehenim. Anyone who says every day a Pasik, starting and finishing with the same letters as his name, the Torah will save him from Gehenim. You have a quick fix to be saved from eternal fires. Just do it. Just say those Pesukim. It takes literally 10 seconds. And it keys you into what you should do with your life. Why not do it? And it saves you from the flames of Gehenim. So that brings us to our first point to carry over. Be careful in what you call your child, as the name is the essence. Gave them a good name, a powerful name that could bring much goodness, much wonderfulness to the world. And part B, make sure to say your verses every day. Fine-tune your name's character. Fine-tune your mission in life. And fine-tune what you're supposed to be doing in this world. The mission of us, you know we love Avos here. Rabbi Yehuda talks about how there are three crowns in this world. The crown of priesthood, the crown of Torah, and the crown of Malchus. But there's a greater crown than all three crowns. Greater than the Torah crown. Greater than the crown of priesthood. Greater than the crown of Malchus of kingship is the crown of a good name. The crown of a good name. Kesser Shemtov Ola Al Gabehem. The crown of a good name supersedes them all. Why? Why is the crown of a good name better than Malchus? Better than priesthood? Better than Kesser Torah? Why? The Mishnah with Abana Bartanura by Rabbi Silverstein points out on this Mishnah the crown of a good name is better than all of them. It transcends all of them because all three require a good name. If he's a Torah scholar, but he's in ill repute, we can shame him. If he's a high priest, but he doesn't have the good name, get him out. He can't be the priest. And if he's a king, but he doesn't have the righteousness, he doesn't have a good name, the people can curse him. Look at all the people from Malachim Aleph, Malachim Bet, that were so bad, they were assassinated by their own people. They were kicked out by their own common people or servants or random people because the crown of a good name is better than anything else in this world. After 120 years, nothing else comes with you except for your Torah, your good deeds, except for what you've done in this world. That comes with you after 120 years. That's what goes with you in the next world. You can leave behind a legacy. You can leave behind a definition and a defining aspect to what you did to this world. As point to carry over number two explains, a good name is the best thing you can get for yourself in this world. It's even better than priesthood. It's better than kingship. That's all we have left besides for our children 
And besides for the mark we've made on the world and different actions, the name we left behind, oh my gosh, I remember what so-and-so did. Joe Schmo was a wonderful person. Do you know all the things he did in this world? Look at all these buildings he donated. Look at all these organizations he did. Look at all this Torah he taught. That is what we leave behind when we leave. It's acquired through Torah and Chesed. And we're going to go through a little bit of a timeline of different characters and their names throughout the Tanakh, starting with all the way in the beginning. Hashem made the world, and Hashem gave the power to Adam to call the different living creatures their names. Hashem gave him that power. What to call them? Whatever he called them, Nefesh Chaya Hushemo, that was its name. Man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, all the wild beasts, but he had no fitting helper. Sforna points out the name would pro- provide a clue as to the function in God's scheme of things, the essence of each animal, the nefesh abahami, the, the essence of that animal would be revealed by its activity on earth. But when Adam finally got a helper at the end of the, on the sixth day, when he was finally given, later on in the day, they took, Hashem took the rib from him and actually formed the woman. That's what the Pasuk points out. Zotapam atzame atzami, ubasar me besari, lezot yikare isha, kime ish lekachat zot. This one is the bone of my flesh. This is the flesh of my flesh. This is called woman because she was taken from me. It's a little bit of a muster point that we should also be of one flesh with our spouses. We should be of one mind, of one character with our spouses. We're supposed to be one individual unit. It's as if we're one body. Just as the right hand would never hit the left hand for doing something, the left hand would never hit the right hand for doing something. We should be as if we're both the same arms of the same body. We should be in unison. We should be in tandem. We should be on the same page. We should be mirrors of each other. We should be reflections of each other, working together as one unit. Because the next Pasuk talks about you leave your parents' home and you become together. You devak ishto. Devak, cling together, cleave together. You have to be together in the same way. You have to put yourself in the same respect and the same aspect to be one unit together. That's why it's called Ish and Isha. And the famous parable, if there's no Ish and Isha, what's left behind, you take out Hashem, there's no tandem of being together. All that's left is Ish. You take away the Yud. You take away the aspect of Torah. You take away the aspect of Hashem. All you're going to have left is fire. When you take away Torah from the home, you don't deal with each other in the Torah way. You don't talk to each other, learn with each other, and do proper things together. There's going to be fire. So make sure to cling together as a side point. And what did he call her name? Her name was Chava. Why Chava? If he said that she was the living, the one that gave birth to everyone, ki haita chai, haita aim shel chai, aim kol chai, shouldn't he have called her name Chaya? The Orachayim picks up on this. Why was her name Chava? It should have been Chaya. But she listened to the urgings of the snake. Adam called her by the name of the snake because the snake was really a slithering, slithering being. The Aramaic for serpent is Chavia, relating to it, Chava, Chavia. That's the reason the Zehar. But also she was going to give birth to children in pain. She alone deserves the title mother of all the beings because she was the one that was the first one to endure pain in connection with having children. And any mother knows the pain of childbirth, the pain of carrying around the children is very, very, very difficult. Very vast. It trumps anything. It's basically a trump card for life. No other pain could ever compare. No matter what we think can compare. It never does. And then the Medjid points out in Tanchum Abubar, Hashem gives names to Adam and Chava when they do right. If they're worthy, He gave them the name Adam. You find that when Hashem sees a righteous one, He gives him his name as a mark of honor, like Noah was righteous because Hashem said so. Because the names point to carry over number three. The names given to animals and plants have purpose and meaning. Each item, each being in this world has function, often in accordance with its name. Lekol davar yesha'ah, yesha'ah lekol davar. The 15 minutes of fame, the 15 minutes of spotlight, Perkevis points out that everything in this world has purpose. Everything in this world, she'en lo davar, she'en lo sha'ah, ve'en lo adam, she'en lo sha'ah. There's no being, there's no item, there's no person on earth that doesn't have a purpose, that doesn't have a being. That's why it's so tantamount to tell Mel kill for a person to murder someone else. How could you take away the being that Hashem brought here and destroy him? How could you snuff out life? Not going to go into a whole ethical thing about that, but it's so anathema to the idea of Torah 
and it's so difficult for Bezin to get rid of people. A Bezin that would kill someone once in seven years or once in seven years was considered bloody because it's a very, very, very deep thing to try to talk about life and try to mess with life. That's why nefesh chaya, there's the nefesh in all of us, Salam Elohim, just as a side point. Everything has a purpose and a meaning. And we look at Noah. Why was he called Noah in Genesis 5, 2 in Bereshit Hei Chavtet? Because he will give us respite and he will give us the, 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 the calm. He will relieve us from our work and the toil of our hands. Interestingly, Noah was the one that had the teva that started the world over. He brought the peace afterwards. He had to restart the whole world with just his family. Relief from the past and looking forward to the future. And then, the name Yishmael. Why was he called Yishmael? Because the angel of the world, why? Because Hashem's angel, Hashem's mouth said, you are going to be, you're going to have a son called Yishmael because Hashem listened to your suffering. Hashem, Shama Hashem El Anyech. Hashem listened and paid heed to your suffering. Then we move over to Avram. We don't call him Avram. It's a sin to call him Avram. We call him Avraham. Why? He's not just Avaram. He's Avhamon Gayim. His name is Avraham. I'll make you a father of a multitude of nations. Avhamon Gayim. The Gemara Brachos picks up on this and talks about how Yaakov's name was changed. We'll talk about that in a bit. And Avraham's name was changed. Why was it changed from Av to Avra, Avram to Avraham? Because Avram is Avraham. He was a father, a minister to his own nation, Aram. But then he became the father of the entire world. He was Avraham. He was the first Ivri. He was the first Hebrew. He started the whole nation. And he had many children by Hagar and Keturah. Some say they're the same. And also, of course, through Sarah. And he was the father of a multitude of nations. His name indicated the essence of one of the things he was supposed to do. And then, of course, Avram's wife became Sarai and then became Sarah. Why? Because instead of just being a prince to to Avram, excuse me, she becomes a prince, princess to everyone. As Rashi points out, she's not just a princess to Avram, but in a more general sense, she'll be a princess to everyone. The name indicates Sarah is a princess. And why? Because Sarah will have the son and she will bring laughter through Yitzchak. There will be laughter brought to the world. How? The Gemara Megillah points out that her name wasn't just Sarah, it was Iska because she had divine inspiration. She knew that she had to get rid of Hagar out of the home and she had to raise Yitzchak. And Yitzchak, his name, also had a very fundamental purpose. What was the name Yitzchak? Whoever will hear about him will bring laughter, will laugh with me. Why would people laugh just because Sarah had a son Yitzchak? What would be the essence? What would be the purpose of why they would laugh with Sarah because of that? So the Rashi points out in Bereshis, Yitzchak, they will rejoice because the Medrash points out that many barren women were remembered with Sarah. Many sick people were healed that day. Many prayers were answered with Sarah's also. There was great rejoicing in the world. Anyone that came, anyone that was in the, in the world, anyone that had anything that needed to be taken care of had to be dealt with and Hashem dealt with them along with Sarah. Many people were healed. Many people were remembered. There was so much rejoicing in the world just because of Sarah having Yitzchak. So that was because of the name Yitzchak Lee. That's the point to carry over number four. Sometimes a name can evoke joy or happiness. Not just for one person with the name, but even for others. Because good things can come about even because of one person. Or one event linked with the name and their idea. Like Sarah having Yitzchak at that age and the name. And when we think about the Shvatim, we can't go into all the Shvatim. A lot of the names were relevant to the time at hand. Leah herself named some of her kids trying to realize, trying to establish the fact that Yaakov would make her house more by her than anyone else, like Levi. Now my husband will be attached to me because of three sons, but we're going to look at a few. The first one, the most important one I want to focus on, and add the Shvatim before we look at other two, is Yehuda. Why? This time, I will praise the Lord. We pointed this out in previous year. And why this time? Why not the first three times? She called him Yehuda because now Leah got more than her share. Every single woman who was married to Yaakov realized there was a nevu about 12 shvatim. 12 divided by 4 is 3. Everyone was supposed to have 3 kids. When Leah had 4 kids, now she felt like she got more than her share. But we're not called Reuvenites. We're not called Yehudites. We're not called Shimonites. Excuse me. We're not called Yisacharites. We're called Yehuda. Why? Because the essence of the Jew... 
the essence of the Judaic way of life and ideal is to have hope, it is to have thanks. We, as our essence of Jews, is to have thanks as our foundation, thanking Hashem and thanking those around us. And that's the point to carry over 4B. When you use your name as a Jew, when you're a Yehudi with Hod, you're supposed to be a thankful person. Always thanking everyone around you and thanking Hashem for everything He gives you. That was the whole idea of gratitude a few lectures back. Show the world you have Hod to be a thankful person. What's the idea of God? What luck, but God, what luck came into her life? And what's the idea of Asher? Be'ashri ki'ishruni banot. What fortune? Woman will deem me fortunate that I had all these children. She named her Asher. Looking at the name of a person, looking at the essence, shows them the essence of what the name can bring in their life, what can happen that they should do in their life. Now we look over to the name Yaakov. Why was he called Yaakov? Originally because it was a deceitful thing. He was a lurker and a trickster. It's the name Yaakov technically because he came out of the womb holding on to the heel of his brother Esau. And he, he metaphorically, technically, according to Esau, took the birthright. But now his name became Yisrael. Rashi points out in Beratius, which signifies a prince and a chief. Yashar Kel, someone who is just and someone who is straight on the right path by God. Point to carry over number five, therefore becomes when we realize our names can contain treasures of interpretations, we can feel pride and honor in our names. But then the Orachim points out a question. Why is it not okay to call Avraham his previous name, but why could we call Yaakov or Yisrael either name, that they're interchangeable? Why is that okay? So we have to remember, the Orachim points out, that names describe the nature of its bearer souls, their essence. The Talmud and Brachos points out, Yaakov's essence was described by the name Yaakov. When he had a divine, large merit of Holy Spirit, he was referred to as Yisrael. That's why he shouldn't be deprived of a different name on account of Ruch HaKodesh. But Avram retains all the letters of his original name as an expanded name. So you can't use the first name because it would denounce the second name. You have to use the second name, which isn't what we're looking at with the first name because he's Av Hamonagayim. Then you think about the different names, the different nicknames throughout Beratius. We come to Tzafnas Paneach. Who's Tzafnas Paneach? That's Yosef. Yosef, when he comes down to Mitzrayim, he interprets the dreams, dreams in jail. And we talked about divine providence last time. But when Yosef comes out of jail, Tzafnas Paneach, he who reveals which is hidden. Uncleus points out, this is from the Egyptian language. It was a practice call a person when they're over a household by an appropriate name. He's the one that revealed the dream to Paro. So he had this special nickname, the Revealer of the Hidden, and he led the whole Egypt for many, many years. And Daniel also was called something else in Yehoshua. We'll look at it in a little bit. Also, different names revealing their essence. Even Moshe, she was taken out. She took out Moshe. Bat Paro took out Moshe. Out of the water, she called him his son. She called him Moshe. Why Moshe? Why go by the Egyptian woman's name for him? The whole Torah, he could have been called anything. Tovia. So much Tov he brought. So much goodness. When he was born, the whole house lit up with light. They should have called him Tov or Tovia. But no, the Torah wanted to call him Moshe. The Torah wanted to call him the name that Bat Paro gave him when she first met him. Because that was the name, how he was saved. She because I took him out of the water. I saved him from the water. That's the name that he goes by. And when you look at the name of Yahushua, his name was really Hoshea, but the Yud, Moshe gave him the Yud to call his name Yahushua. Why? Because Moshe was worried on some aspect that there would be a negative report. Hashem later on told him, when he wanted to do the idea of the spies, he said, Karal Lachan Hashem, for you, you take out the spies. If you want spies, you do it. I'm not saying you have to, it might end in badness, but if you want to do it, Moshe gave him the name Yahushua, which was the compound of Ka and Hoshua. Hoshea, God may save, praying for him, let you be saved from any evil counsel of the spies. Even Shmuel, when he was given his name, right in Shmuel Aleph, Chana named him Shmuel, because Kime Hashem Shealtiv, I asked Hashem for him. So anytime someone hears the name Shmuel, they think of the name Shamakel. Hashem answered my prayer and he spoke God's word, answering the, the idea of what Hashem wants for him, living up to his name also. Even Mashiach in Sanhedrin points out what's his name. Reb Shale points out when Sheila will come, that his name, he has different names that hopefully will endure forever because Hashem gives him different names based on the fact of what his mission is and Mashiach is supposed to bring everyone, bring peace, bring a wonderful lifetime for us may come soon, speedily in our days, that's the names given to Mashiach. Echarab also points out 
that the name of Mashiach should be called by the name of Hashem because it's good to go by the name of a king. It's good to go by the name of a city. And if Hashem wants, Hashem will make a name by him, as we'll see soon also. Even the idea of going back to Mitzrayim, Shifra and Pua, we hear those names all the time and we're, ta- we're taught about the idea that they're Yocheved and Miriam. How do we know that they're Yocheved and Miriam? Who told us that besides the fact that in grade school we learned that? But it says it here in Sota. Why was it called Shifra Zu Yocheved Lama Nikra Shmo Shifra Shemishaparet Etaholed? Also, Shepara Shepura Verubu Yisrael Biyameha. Why was she called Pua? Because she would make comforting sounds. She would make sure that they would have the ability to be calmed. And why was she called Shifra? Because she mishapered it to newborn. She would make sure and prepare the newborn. Shifra also allowed, because the Jewish people increased and multiplied, Shepara Verubu in her days. And Pua was because the comforting sounds, Pua, Pua, for the child from the mother right away. Also, she would speak through divine inspiration. She told her parents, you're worse than Paro, Miriam said. Paro wants to get rid of the males, but you're getting rid of the males and the females. Who knows what you're going to have if you separate from your wife? She told her parents, you're not going to have any more children. And I know you're going to have someone who will redeem the people. She had the divine inspiration, pointing out the aspect of their names. And also, when you when you look at the different sages, a lot of different sages in the Talmud would have different names and would also go through the different names. Rabbi Brach and Rabbi Hanina pointed out that there was different parts. Even where Avram was, they wanted to raise him up because they wanted to bring him as a prince, as a god, in a certain place. They called it that place because of that, the Heshevu. But he said to them, don't worry, the, the world has its king and it has its god. I'm just uh, I'm just here someone to spread the name of God. Even Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi would think about names. And, and Yuma talks about, they would analyze names and look at the nature from the names. They would look at how the names would come about and what they would bring. When they came to a place, they even looked at the name of the innkeeper. They saw his name was Kidor. And that name signified for them in Aramaic, maybe he's not such a great person, maybe we should watch out and be careful. And Mordechai, we'll look at the character, one of the favorite characters for me, of course, we talked about in the intro, Mordechai the warrior. He, it would say, Ish Yehudi Haya B'Shushan Abir Shmo Mordechai Ben Ish Ben Kish Ben you know, we say that phrase in the in the in the Megillah. Why does it say Ish to teach us? Mordechai in his time was equivalent to Moshe in his generation, and Mordechai stood up to teach Torah. Mordechai stood up for his nation just like Moshe did. Mordechai was the warrior in his time to stand up for the times of what they needed to stand up for his people. Because point to carry over number seven points out that a name is given to a character in Tanakh, especially as a nickname to showcase certain traits. Bad or good, even Hadassah in the es- in the Megillus Esther. This is Esther. Why is she called Hadassah? Because she had the like the Myrtles, the Hadassim. She had righteous deeds, and she was a righteous person. She saved the Jewish people, even though she didn't want to marry Achashver. She was really forced into the situation. She stood up like Hadassim, like the Myrtle, to stand up to her name. And interestingly, also, Gemara Milgila points out when there's someone that has their father's name and their name, when it comes to prophecy, they're known to be the son of a prophet, a prophet, the son of a prophet. Like Yechazka ben Buzi, Yechazka and Buzi were both prophets. And if someone is mentioned, but not his father's name, then only he is the prophet, because his name is not linked with the name of his father. And when someone's name is linked with the name of a city, it's known that he's from a particular city. And even when you think about the name, even if the person doesn't have the children, but they're named for the children, why does that happen sometimes throughout Tanakh? The Gemara picks up on Sanhedrin and points out, Rabbi Shobin Korach points out that the five sons of Michal, she didn't have any children, she didn't have these five children. How could you say, did she give birth to these children? Didn't Meirav give birth to them for Adriel? But rather, Meirav gave birth to them and died, but Michal raised them as her own in her house. Therefore, the children were called by her name, a beautiful source for adoption for people who go through the beautiful idea of adopting children. And Sanhedrin points out also, Aaron gave birth to the children, but Moshe taught them the Torah. Why are they named by Moshe? Throughout the Torah talks about it, that Moshe taught them Torah. Therefore, the children were called by his name, which teaches us, point to carry over number eight, that you can have children by teaching them Torah or by adopting, by raising other people's kids, not just if you do it biologically. If you're a teacher of children, they become like your children as well. That is the name you get to give them. That is the name you get to keep for yourself also. And Rabbi Yossi Barchanina points out, there are four types of traits when it comes to names. Some names are nice and their actions are nice. Bresha Rabba points out, some names are nice 
and some actions are not. Some names are, are not nice and their actions are not nice. And some names are not nice, their actions are nice. There are four types of things going on here. There are names there, and there are people whose names are nice and actions are ugly, like we just said, but Midorabu also points out, just to clarify, people whose names are ugly and actions are nice. People whose names and actions are nice and people whose names or actions are ugly. For example, whose names are nice and their actions are ugly, this is Yishmael. Yishmael had that name, Shamakel. But he didn't have such nice names, such nice actions. And even Asav also, it could mean that he does the will of the Maker, but we know he didn't. Their actions were bad. So make sure you have a good name and good actions to go along with your name. Point to carryover number nine. Make sure your name signifies goodness in its interpretations and in its actions. Make sure you have a good name and you do good actions. Because we want to make sure that this is for Eliezer G. The Likuti Maharan points out that Torah is the name of God. The name of a thing is its vessel. Within this name is contained the life force of that thing. The living soul that is its name pointed out in Boratius. Everything has within it the soul and the life force. That's why when we call a person by his name, we gain his attention immediately. If you don't call me T or Reb T or Nassim or anything like that, if you call me Darius, you call me Percival, you call me Percy, I'm not going to respond. That's not the name linked to my soul. That is not the name that I'm going to respond to. But when we call a person by the right name, the proper name, his total soul and his life force are contained within that name, and that's why he responds to it. If your name is Shmeron and I call you Jekyll, you're not going to respond to it. you got to talk to people by their proper names. Then we move over to the Gemara, the Rus Rabbah. We move over to Megillah's Rus, another wonderful Megillah. Lots of names and wordplay in Megillah's Rus. You first look at Elimelech. Elimelech's name was that to me will come the kingship. He thought that he will support everybody, but really what happened was he actually abandoned everybody. He went to Moab during the time of the hardest time in the Yemea Shoftim. Everybody really fell by the wayside. He could have helped a lot of people, but really he wasn't able to do that. He didn't do that. And Naomi, because her deeds were pleasant and pleasing, and her sons were Machlon and Kilion. Why? Machlon because they were erased from the world and Kilion because they were destroyed from the world. Their names probably weren't Machlon and Kilion, but that's the names that they were given in the Megillah. That's the names that signified the actions that happened to them. And Baba Batra also points out Machlon because their bodies were profane and Kilion because they were liable to receive punishment and destruction for their sins by leaving the people at the wayside. Also, they were called Saraf and Yoash, Baba Batra points out. Why? Yoash, because they despaired of the redemption of Israel. They left and went to Moab and lived there for many years. Saraf, because they were liable to receive punishment for their sins against God. They left their community. And they, they called by the names of these because they made their, like we said, they just didn't do what they were supposed to do. They left their Jewish brethren behind, and those were the names given to them in the Megillah. They also married what Moabite woman, Orpah and Rus. Why were they called that? Because Orpah, because she turned her back on her mother-in-law. And why was she called Rus? Because she looked to the words of her mother-in-law. They also say that the, that night that Orpah left, she, she went off and was with many, many people, unfortunately, and because of her, she had Goliath. Many years later, we talked about this in the past, and Rus went with, went with Naomi, and she married it to have David. Interestingly, both their descendants went against each other. We talked about this. Goliath was taken out by Rus because kindness always wins. Rus stayed, David stays. David won, David defeated Orpah's descendant, Goliath. She stayed with her mother-in-law. Then they went on and Naomi said, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because Hashem made my life very bitter. I lost my husband, I lost my children. Lo, Elenu, we should never know from such things. How could you call me Naomi? Hashem dealt so hardly with me. So misfortune is with me. But again, Rus was called Rus because David satisfied from her, from her descendant with the lyrics and the poems and the beautiful psalms and beautiful Tehillim with words like Ria. And then we go to Plony Almoni. Who was Plony Almoni? Why was he called Plony Almoni? Wasn't that a name of so-and-so? Wasn't that a, a Joe Schmo kind of a name? But the Jasher points out, Plony Almoni really means an unknown, unnamed person. It could be that it was someone that was generic, somebody that had no name. Or it could be that this was a name given to him because he was without a name. He didn't support the people he was supposed to support. Rashi points out, it means widowed without a name, Almoni, like an Almana. He was widowed from the words of Torah. He should have expounded. He should have realized that he could have married him, Ammonitis. He could have married him, Moabitus, but he didn't. He was worried about his own inheritance, and his name was forever lost to history because he didn't stand up to the times. But then Boaz comes in, 
and he was a strong man, a man of substance. He was from the family of Elimelech. He might have been an uncle. Sfas Emes points out, why was his name Boaz? Because Boaz came the strength. The strength was in him. He believed in the words of the wise men. He believed that you can marry an Ammonitis, but not an Ammonite. He knew about that drasha. Not many people knew about it. He didn't have any doubts on the matter. But he stood up, he took strength, and he took he took he took Rus and he took the whole line of kingship and he made it established throughout his descendants through David. Because throughout Tanakh, the points carry over number 10, throughout Tanakh, especially in stories, especially in the Megillahs, names signify such actions and such circumstances more than just an interpretation. Names have such a powerful effect. Names have such a wonderful effect. Names have such an ability to help or to hurt us. We should only use it to help us. Even Sitkia, who was put in the names and the names of the Babylonians, he stand, uh, stood up to his names because he was righteous in his ease or because the, the kingship was concluded in his time. Shalom. That's why his name, Shalem, the days of the kingship was concluded. The name signifies the time period that he was living in. And Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan points out, there was someone called Kilav during the times of David's descendants. Why? Because he would embarrass Mipiboshes. Kilav, like an authority figure, matters of Allah, we should be careful to use our names in the right way. And how do we know that Brachos points out that when you study Torah, that Hashem sits with you, Hashem is with you, because every place I put, I put my name to be mentioned, Hashem says, I will come to you and I will bless you. I will come, from Shemos, Hashem blesses even a single person with his name, with Hashem's name, in reference to Torah study. And one of my favorite phrases that also is pointed out in Pirkei Avos, Rabbi Lazar says in the name of Rabbi Hanina, whoever reports a saying in the name of he who said it brings redemption to the world. It was said in respect to the incident in Bikshon and Saras, just like Megillah. We were talking about Megillah's Esther. Esther reported in the name of Mordechai. That brought redemption. Mordechai said what was going to happen to Bikshon and Saras to Esther. Esther says it to the king. That whole thing sets up the idea that the Jews will be saved because just as Haman comes to get rid of Mordechai, the king remembers because of the people who read his scroll of remembrances what Mordechai did. That's why Pekelvis points out, greater than learning Torah... And the royalty, and greater than that, the Torah is gained by 48 things. One of them is someone who says a thing in the name who said it. Thus you learn anyone who says a thing in the name who said it brings a deliverance to the world. Like Esther told in the king of the name of Mordechai's name. You have to say things in people's names. We talk about the essence of our names. But if you don't give people the proper credence to their name, to their hard work, to things that they did, you're ruining their name. You're ruining their hard work and you're bespurging their name. You're not giving proper cover to their name, to their hard work. When we learn things, point to carry over number 11. When we learn things in other people's names, make sure to mention their names as it brings redemption to the world and honor to others. Even if it's one letter, even if it's one thing, Prekavus points out, David and Malch learned only two things from Achitofel. But he made sure to honor him greatly because he learned two things about not learning by yourself and making sure to have a chavrusa and making sure you're learning something when you come to a synagogue you come to a shul, even if you want to pass through, you got to learn something. I think that was the second thing I may be mistaken. And Shmuel Alf points out, even the name of Naval. Naval was a wretched person, but his name indicates that he wasn't a good person. You know, when when David was incensed by Naval, he didn't give him food, he didn't take care of him. Avigail, or I forget which lady tells him, she eventually comes his wife anyway, or Michal maybe, tells him, don't listen to Naval. He's like his name, he's a bore. His name means bore. I know that you're angry, but calm down. If you stay calm, one day you'll probably marry me. One day he'll be taken care of. Hashem will take care of him. But don't let his name indicate his essence to you. Don't let him be a bore to you. Don't let him upset you. His name indicating that his essence is not such a good one. Erevin points out Nimrod had different names. Even our enemies have special names. Why was he called Nimrod? Why was he called Amraphel? It's a contraction. He said Amar Hippil. Amraphel. Amar Hippil. Cast our forefather Avram into the fiery furnace. In Orkazdim, also a name that name that's reference to the, the fiery flames of the furnace. Because Avram was thrown into there because he rebelled against the proclaimed divinity of Nimrod. And he, re, and he emerged unscathed, of course. But that was the name Amraphel and also Orkazdim that we can add in. And Rava points out in Gemara Vodah Zara, if you learn Torah by the name of Hashem, it ends up becoming called by your name. You work on the Torah that's written in Hashem's name, Hashem lets it be called in your name. And what better name to have than the name of Hashem? And in Baba Basra also, Rava points out that the righteous will be called by the name of Hashem. Everyone that is called by His name, I've created by my glory, I've made Him. Anyone who is created by God, 
causes him glory by doing mitzvahs and learning Torah, by doing good things, is called by the name of Hashem. No better name to be called than the name of Hashem. The point to carry over number 12, therefore, is learning Torah allows us to connect in a way to the greatest name of all, that of Hashem. Just think about the names and the essences of great sages throughout our history. Just three of them I thought of the other day. The Chosa of Lublin. Why was he called the Chosa of Lublin? Rav Elimelech of Lezhengs also went by the name of, of the place that he was from because he did great things in Lezheng. And the Chosa of Lublin, he was the seer. He could see things. He almost said prophecy. He could see to the future. He could see through the essence of people. That's why they called him the seer. The Baal Shemt of a great rabbi, the carrier of a good name, the owner of a good name, did such good things, brought such good things for so many people. The Vilna Gon, the great one of, of, of Vilna, the great sage, the great learner, the great Talmud, the great sage. As we said, the great Sadik of Vilna. People with these great names have special titles because they do such special things, especially as they learn Torah, especially as they connect to Hashem, especially as they connect to His name. They get these nicknames, they get these special names. But even different things in life, even things in our bodies have special names. Why is it called the Gedanasha? We know we're not allowed to eat the Gedanasha from the story of Yaakov fighting with the angel. Why? Why is this called the sciatic nerve? Because it is because the sciatic nerve left nasha its place and rose to the rest of the body, down the leg. And even white mules are called a special name. Why are they called Yemim? Because their terror, Ematam, is cast over all creatures. Rabbi Hanina says they were very dangerous. No one ever survived from that kind of an attack. And even the shalach, a non-kosher bird, is called because it scoops sholeh, fish out of the sea. The duchafat is the person who's is the bird, excuse me, whose comb bent, it seems bent, hodu kafut, due to its thickness. And that's also the dukafat is the bird who comb, who seems bent. That is the bird that brought the shamir to the temple. The shamir was a very special worm, creature, sort of a thing. King Shlomo needed to use it for the temple because nothing was allowed to be used, no iron or anything. It was supposed to be a house of peace, the Beit HaMikdash. So they needed to use the Shamir and this animal, this special animal that bent, that used its beak or whatever to get the animal, the Shamir, brought it special as an agent of Hashem to build the temple. How cool. Dafe Shavuot points out even names of people that have animal names can indicate their essence, as we'll show you in a second. Devorah means hornet or bee. And Chuldah, two of the seven prophetesses, two of the seven Neviyot, and Chuldah means weasel. These are not particularly beloved animals, the Dafe Shavuot points out. Rav Nachum points out because he condemns these two women for the arrogant way and not such a nice way they dealt with the authoritative men around them. Maybe they didn't use their names in the right way. They maybe used it in the harsh way. You could use your name for good or for bad. Try to use it for good. But you think about Yehuda. We think about from, from Vayachim, my Parsha, one of my favorite sections of the whole Torah, of course. Gur Arye Yehuda, Miteraf Bini Alisa, Kara Ravatz, Ka'arye Yuklavi, Miye Kemanu. Judah is a lion's whelp. On prey, my son, have you grown? He crouches, he lies down like a lion, like the king of beasts. Who dare rouse him? Ishtakam, Rabbi Simmons again points out, Arye means lion, the king of the beasts. The lion symbolizes a go-getter who pounces on the opportunity to do a mitzvah. Zeriza Makdim Lemitzvah, we talked about using alacrity and zeal in a previous year also. Arye is a nickname given to Judah as a blessing you will be the tribe of the Jewish kings. And may your strength continue to be firm, lion. The Gemara and Yuvamos point out to someone whose nickname was also a lion. As this person explained, they called me a lion from my village in Shehaya. Yochanan explained. And that brings us to point to carry over number 13. The name of an animal, especially when related to use for human names, can indicate its harshness. We should use our names. Sometimes it could be interpreted for good or bad. We should only use it for good. Whatever your name is, use it only for good. Even Ahasuerus, his name indicated that he was not such a good person. People really give him slack. Oh, it was really all Haman. Ahasuerus was just a pawn. But if you read Gemara Megillah, you read different sources, he really wasn't much better than Haman. He literally sold the Jewish people for 10,000 gold pieces. Whatever amount of money, it might have been different. But he was the brother of the head. He was the brother of the wicked Nebuchadnezzar, who was called Head. Had the same character as the headed. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to kill the Jews, so too Ahasuerus wanted to kill them. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, and Ahasuerus also belittled the temple. He used uh, many of the items, many of the kalim from the temple. As they talk about in the Megillah, because he, te- he took out the robes of the Kohen Gadol. The Gemara and the, and the Medras points out he drank from the vessels of the Mikdash. So embarrassing, so degrading 
to the Jewish people and to Hashem. He was not a good person, and his name indicated as it was so. Memuchan also, not a great person. Why was he called Memuchan? We know he's Haman, and the Megillah points out, Gemara Megillah, why was he called that? Because he was prepared, Muchan, to bring calamity on the Jewish people. Memuchan, he was Muchan for the wrong reasons, to bring bad things upon good people. When evil people are introduced in the text, Esther Abba points out they precede their names. Naval was his name, as we just pointed out before. Sheva ben Bechri was his name. But the names of the righteous precede them. His name was Manoach. His name was Kish. His name was Shaul. His name was Elkanah. His name was Boaz. And in Esther, Megillus Esther, his name was Mordechai. This is to emulate the fact that they emulate their creator. My name... I did not make known to them. When you have a name, when it says his name was so-and-so, it's much better than so-and-so was his name. We should all be like someone who is your name. Nasan Mordechai is my name. Shmerel Merel is my name. Yehuda is my name. Leah is my name. Go by the name. Let it be your name. Not that someone whose name is you. Don't say, my name is Nasan Mordechai. Nasan Mordechai is my name because you want to be a righteous person. Yehuda is my name. Don't say, my name is Yehuda. Yehuda was his name. Say, my name, Yehuda was his name. You know? His name was Yehuda. I'm sorry, excuse me. Again, I want to repeat that so we get the point down. Yehuda was his name. Nasan was his name. Mordechai was his name. Kish was his name. Is not the right way to go. His name was Kish. His name was Nasan. His name was Yehuda. That is the best way to go. So be someone who is your name, not someone whose name is you. Be like the phrase, his name was Mordechai. Not like Mordechai was his name. To do good and to be good. To do righteousness. To be a real Ish, the son of an Ish. Be a real man doing good things. Be Ish ben Ish. Ish, the son of an Ish. Be a good man doing good things. We want to be people like his name was Shaul. Her name was Zilpah. Her name was Rachel. That's the way to live your essence of being the right name. And even Cyrus had different names. Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes. Why did he have so many names? He was a virtuous king, points it out in Daniel. A kosher king. He was Artaxerxes after his kingdom, and his real name was Darius. And in Gemara Sota, they point out that even cities have special names, Pitom and Ramses. Why were they called Pitom and Ramses? It's because they were constructed to be collapsing. Mitroses. They collapsed. Mitroses, one by one, needed to be rebuilt. Ramses was its real name. Why was it called Pitom? The opening of the abyss. P to home. Swallowed each building they constructed one by one. It sunk into the ground. And even the Urim Betumim has the special name. Why? Yuma points out. Urim because it's based on the word or. Light. Or. It is so called it illuminates and explains its word. Tumim. It's based on the word Tam. Completed because it fulfills its words which always come true. Hashem speaks through the Urim Betumim. Why is the temple called Lebanon? Because it whitens, malbin, the Jewish people's sins. And why is it called forest? Because the house of the forest of Lebanon, because just as a forest blooms, so too the temple blooms. And why was it called Harsinai? There are different explanations in the Gemara Shabbat. But different people say the miracles happened there. But really it should be called Mount Nisai. And a great thing happened, a good omen for the Jewish people. But some people say it should be called Siman. But therefore... Other people explain it was because of there that hatred for the nations of the world descend because they did not accept the Torah. Rabbi Rosner points out that that might have been the original source of anti-Semitism, the real sinner of all the nations of the world. That's why we were, we were given it on Harsinai. That's the basis of anti-Semitism. I don't care what explanation, what reason people give you. We're communists, we're capitalists, we're socialists, we're... we're, we're we control the government, we don't control the government, we're rich, we're poor, everything is an excuse. The main reason, as Hitler, Yamach Shemo Vizekro explained, is because the conscience of the Jew, the circumcision of the flesh, and the circumcision of the slow, pointed out in a shir, I believe in Reshit by Rav Eli, pointed out from that book of our greatest nemesis, but even he realized the sinner that came from the Jewish people came from Harsina, because we had the conscience of the Jewish soul, and the circumcision of the flesh, to perfect ourselves through the conscience of the Torah, and the consciences of human perfection. That's where Sina came from, Har Sinai. Also because we were commanded there. We were sanctified there. 
the Torah was ancient there, was given there, we were fruitful there. So many different reasons of the of the reasons why the different names of Torah, all because of from Har Sinai and destruction of the nations were from there. It's also called Tushiyas on Hezra points out because it weakens the strength of a person who engages in its study. And also it was given in Sina in, in secret, excuse me, Shanitatna Behashai. It was given in in private, also because of the Satan lets him not claim that the Jews are not worthy of it, God forbid. Also that it, it's an amorphous matters that seem foreign and strange until you learn the Torah. And why is the river called Jordan? Because it descends, you right, from the city of Don. Why is Hamat called Tiberias? Why is it Hamat? Because of the hot springs of Hamay Tiberias that are located there. Pointed out way before we had any Google Maps or Google Earth, the Megillah, Gemara Megillah knew about the hot springs, and it was named because of that. Even Kiryat Sefer was called that because of the village of the book were re, uh, interpreted as a reference to the parts of the Torah that were forgotten there. Even Avram's house in Eshel was an acronym, was a real name. It could be because it was an orchard, it could be it was a pardes, it could be it was a pundak, or it could be that it was an inn, as pointed out in Gemara Sota. But Medrash Jehelem points out Eshel really stands for Achila Shtia and Levia. We pointed out in our Chesed Shir. It's an acronym for eating, drinking, and escorting one guest the three main paramounts of dealing with guests, as Medrash Jalen points out. That brings us to point number 15. The things and places have special names that indicate their worthiness and indicate their essence. Items and locations have special names with their missions and purposes. And the famous, 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 famous statement we pointed out in the introduction here, Vayikaraba. Why were Israel meritorious to be redeemed from Egypt? Because of a few things they did not change their names or their language or go tail-bearing. They weren't immoral. Some people say they kept their clothing also that did dignify them. They didn't change their names. They went down as Reuven Shimon and they came up as Reuven Shimon. They kept on to their names. Nowadays in secular society, it's very easy to change our names from from like uh, Yishai and become uh, a Jordan or, or to go from uh, a Nasan and become something else. But we want to take our names and hold on to it because point 16, we should be proud of our names that were given to us. I personally love my nickname and my Hebrew name. Don't change it. Don't secularize your name. Proudly use your Jewish name and your Jewish nickname even in secular society. Even our enemies, enemies we talked about before, another one here, are a contraction of different words. Bil Am was Bali Am. He had no nation. He was like a, a, an agent for hire, a false prophet for hire. He also was did not do great things. He was with his donkey also. So his name signifies terrible things that he did and he gave terrible advice also indicated in his name. Then we come to Eldad and Medad. People who were named, they were prophesizing about the fact that Yoshua was going to lead them into the land, pointed out in Bamidbar and in Rashi. In Bamidbar that Moshe will die, Yoshua will bring him into the land. But the sages taught in Rosh Hashanah, the names of the elders were not named. Why were they not specified? So that a person shouldn't say, aren't they like Moshe and Aaron? Aren't they like Nadav and Aren't they like Eldad and Medad? We want them not to be specified so there's no way of knowing the qualifications of the elders in the time of Moshe to compare them to. And Rabbi Shobin Levi said also the, ne- the members of the great assembly, why were they called Anche Knesset Zagodola? Why weren't they named every single name? Instead, they were given a group name because they returned the crown to the Hollywood Blessed Be He to its former glory. And as we said in the introduction, Rambam points out many of them were Daniel, Hanani, Mishal, Azariah, Chagai, Zachari, Malachi, Zerubbabel, Mordechai, Nehemiah, many, many famous people. And that's point 17. Sometimes it's better to be nameless, like the elders, to be anonymous when involved with helping others. Our names are amazing, but sometimes it's better to be nameless, especially chesed. Besides giving someone a job, the highest form of charity we've talked about is when it's anonymous both ways. Yisro had many names. Two of them were Yeter, Yisro, because he added a chapter to the book. The chapter dealing with the judges, the judicial system to give Moshe some reprieve, and Chovah because he loved the Torah. Even the cave of the Machpelah, why was it called that? Because it was doubled. Machpelah. It had an upper floor and a lower floor, doubled with couples. Also because Adam was folded over by Hashem to fit in. And even the appointing angel of our food is called Nakid, because he is clean, Naki, about cleanliness. And the angel of our poverty is called Naval, because he won't be in a dirty place. And that's why they're given names. Even angels have names. And the Gemara and Sota points out, even Sholvach, he had a special name because he was like a dove coat. He was very tall. And the Medjish of Danchoma points out that Hashem gives people different names if they earn it, if they, if, they, if they accept it, if they work for it, if they really are meritorious. He gives them different names, especially if they learn Torah. 
Gemara Rosh Hashanah points out who was Sihon, another one of our wonderful enemies. Why was he called that? He, because he was similar to a wild donkey, a road in the desert. He is Arad, he is Sihon, he is Canaan. He was called different things because he had different reasons for different things because we wanted to make sure to know his different characteristics. Even our enemies have different names. That's point number 18. The enemies of our nation and in our life are given certain names to signify different elements and traits that have to be dealt with. And different characters, Shabbat, Gemara Shabbat points out, Gemara Shabbos, that Jonathan was mayor of Baal. Who was he? Wasn't he meant by Boshes, but he entered into a quarrel with his master, Merivah Baal. And he complained, and, and the divine voice Hashem wasn't happy with that, and he gave him such a nickname. Why is Babylon, why is Babel called Shinar another name? Because all those who died in the flood were deposited there, Nirnaru Lasham. That's why it's called Shinar. And why is it called Mitsula? Because those who died in the flood sank there, Nitzalalu Lasham. And that's why different names of different places have special meaning. Also, Rav Huna was called a special name. That's the name he was known from his youth, Gemara Pesachim points out. And one of the best sources here, in my opinion, I love this source, Gemara Yuma points out, the name of the wicked shall rot. How does a name rot? Rabbi Lezer points out. It means decay will spread on their names. They will not be called by their names. The names will sink into oblivion. You have to make sure to take your name and do good things with your name. You have to change the world for the better. Otherwise, your name will sink into oblivion, will be gone forever. When a person doesn't use their name for good or is a pure evil sinner, the name he has will be will not be used. It will be erased. It will be gone forever. Like no one names their kids Yishmal, no one names their kids Gechazi, no one names their kids Esav. Those names are gone because it signified very evil people. The Gemara Sukkah points out that the, the Yetzirah has seven names also. Evil, or uncircumcised, impure, enemy, a stumbling block, a stone, and a hidden one. And it hits the Torah scholars more than other people. Even our wicked enemy, the Yetzirah, is given different names for different circumstances that he puts us in. There was a person named Nakdimon in Gemara Tanis. He went, he wrapped himself in prayer on behalf of the Jewish nation, that they could have rain, and he fought against it just so that he could have rain. Also, Choni Hamago put himself in a circle until Hashem answered his prayer because they desperately needed rain. And Gemara Moed Katan points out, we're on one of our last sources here, the Gemara Moed Katan points out, why was her name Sipora Kushite? Why was she called the Kushite? Because she had a dark appearance, like a Kushi, and also she had special actions. She was distinguished by her actions. And that's why, because he's distinguished by his dark skin, the Kushite, and Sipor was so too with Sitkia, distinguished by his righteous actions. And the Gemara Sanhedrin points out, someone who calls his teacher by his name doesn't call him the proper title, the proper respect, like rabbi or doctor or whatever. They get punished and they're in big trouble because you have to call a teacher by the proper name. You have to call a person by the proper name. You have to give them the proper professional title, especially when they're working. That's why the Gemara Sanhedrin points out four people, four commoners, including Gehazi, who talked to Elisha without giving a proper title, using the word Elisha to others, did not merit the share in the world to come. We have to call people by their proper names, the names they want to go by. Make sure to use their titles of respect, rabbi or doctor, when addressing them, especially in official capacity. So now that we've gone through the sources, thank you so much for staying with me. We're going to do the wrap-up points to carry over before we end together. The first one is be careful in what you call your child. The name is the essence. Give them a good name, a powerful name that can bring much goodness to the world. Then make sure to say your verses every day to fine-tune your name's character and mission. Remember, a good name is the best thing you can get for yourself in this world, even better than priesthood or kingship. That's all that's left when we leave and that's acquired to Torah and Chesed. Remember, the names given to animals and plants also have purpose and meaning. Each item in the world has a function in accordance with its name. Sometimes a name can evoke joy or happiness, not just for that person, but for others. Good things can come about because of one person or one event linked with a name and an idea dealer or and happenstance because of that name. Use your name as a Jew, a Yehudi with Ho, to be a thankful person, always thanking those around you, as well as thanking Hashem. Show the world you have Ho to be a thankful person. When we realize our names contain treasures of interpretations, we can feel pride and honor in our names. When we see names change in effect, it can help a person for the better and bring more salvation. And names for a Cholas, such as Chaim. Names given to characters in Tanakh often work nicknames to showcase certain traits, bad or good. You can have children by teaching the Torah, by raising others' kids, not just if you do it biologically. That's the name you get to give them and keep for yourself. Make sure your name signifies goodness in its interpretation and in its actions. 
make sure throughout Tanakh to realize that stories in Megillah, as the name signify actions and circumstances much more than just interpretations. When we learn things in other people's names, make sure to mention their names, bring redemption to the world, and honor to others. When you learn Torah, it allows us to connect in a way to the greatest name of all, that of Hashem. Even the name of an animal, especially when related to use for human names, can indicate harshness. Use our names, even if it's an animal name, interpret it, use it for good, only to do good. Be someone who is your name, not someone whose name is you. Be like the phrase, his name was Mordechai. Not like Mordechai was his name. Do good, do righteousness, be real and ish, the son of an ish. Be a real man doing good things. Even things and places have special names that indicate the worthiness in their essence. Items and locations have special names indicating their missions and purposes. And we should be very proud of our names that were given to us. I personally love my nickname, my Hebrew name. Don't change or secularize your name. Proudly use your Jewish name and Jewish nickname even in secular society. Remember, it's better to be nameless sometimes, to be anonymous when involved in Torah, chesed, and mitzvos. Besides giving a job, the highest form of charity is when it's anonymous all around. Even our enemies of our nation and our life are given certain names to signify different elements and traits that have to be dealt with. When a person doesn't use their name for good or is an evil sinner, God forbid the name he has will not be used. It will be gone to oblivion. It will be forever gone. No one names their kids Asa or Gehazi. And lastly, we should call people by their proper names, the ones they want to go by. Make sure to use their titles of respect, rabbi or doctor, when addressing them, especially in official capacity. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Powerful Claim of Names. Join us next time, God willing, in two weeks when we come back for our next lecture series here, Monday, 8.30, on the bi-weekly lecture series with Reb T. Thank you very much for joining.